Okay, Ephesians chapter number 2. We'll start by reading this text here this morning, starting in verse number 1. And you hath he quickened, who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past ye walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past, in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. But God, who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ, by grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace and his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. For by grace are ye saved through faith, that not of yourselves is the gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in them. Now, as I was studying this portion of Scripture, and I'm going to key in specifically on verse 10 today, uh, verse 10 seemed to really stand out to me as I was reading, these, reading and studying these, this passage of Scripture. It says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works, which God hath before ordained, that we should walk in them. Now notice here that we who are believers are described here as his workmanship. And then he goes on to say that we are created in Christ Jesus. So I want you to stop and for just a moment this morning, I want you to consider what it means that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus. And not only are we created in Christ Jesus, but it also says that we are created in him unto good works, right? So as I read these words, it seems abundantly evident that when a man genuinely trusts in Jesus Christ and is, is saved by, by the matchless grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ, that it is not a mere prayer. It is not a mere profession of faith that results in nothing more than some religion being added to your life. But when a man genuinely repents and trusts in Jesus Christ as his personal Lord and Savior, and he is saved by the matchless grace of God, this reality of a real relationship with Jesus will initiate the start of the Master's mighty hand to mold you and to make you into the very image of the Lord Jesus Christ himself. Listen, friend, he will, not, he will not leave you to simply continue as you were before. Because now you are in his hand and you are his workmanship. I like what Brother Paul wrote in Philippians 1, 6. He said, being confident of this very thing, that he which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Jesus Christ. Uh, truly one who has been given to his hand 
He'll not forsake working on us. The working of God is going to continue as he works out his masterpiece in your life and in mine, in the life, lives of those who have trusted Christ as their Savior. And also, you know what, folks? It would be ignorant for us to suggest that that which is placed in the master's hand will remain unchanged. Think about that concept for just a minute. That that which is placed in the master's hand would remain unchanged. Amen. There's no truth in that, right? Is, it, is that not what most people out there claiming Christianity want to say today? That I can become a Christian, but my life isn't going to be any different. I'll, I'll remain unchanged. Well, that's not what the Bible has to talk about. Hey, listen, that which is given to the master's hand cannot be left unchanged. Think about it, the empty, barren canvas that is touched by the master artist becomes a beautiful masterpiece with every stroke of the master's hand. That useless lump of clay becomes a vessel of honor as it is shaped in the master's hand. That run-down old house can become a showplace when it is given into a master's hand. That lifeless hunk of rock can be sculpted into a beautiful piece of priceless art as it is given into the master's hand. And what is abundantly clear in any of these illustrations that I've just mentioned is that an untouched, unchanged object is one that has not been touched by the master's hand. If it becomes his workmanship, it cannot remain the same because the master's touch and the master's involvement will be evident. Yes. It will be clearly seen. Okay? Um, that's just the truth. That's just common sense, folks. Um, truly, if he has begun a good work in you, he will perform it. Okay, he's going to do that. So don't, don't think that, boy, I'm okay because I prayed some prayer and did some religious thing and yet your life remained the same. You see, listen, friend, an unchanged life is the evidence that it has not been touched by the master's hand. Amen. It is the evidence that it has not yet become his workmanship. Listen, friend, you can be religious. And you can go to church, and you can pray prayers, and you can get baptized and all the stuff that goes along with that, and yet never truly have given your life to Jesus Christ by genuinely repenting and trusting him as your Lord and your Savior. And it will be evident that your life hasn't really changed. You know, honestly, probably most of us were shocked at Larry's testimony. Praise the Lord for the work that God has done in Brother Larry's Amen. heart and mind. But you know what? Having all the religiousness, praying a prayer, getting baptized, going to church, does not save a man. And there in that hospital, as God brought that man through COVID, for the glory of God, mind you, God brought that man through COVID for the glory of God. That in that place of desperation and despair, he would look to the one that created him and repent and give his heart and life to Christ. And I'll tell you what, when we see Larry, he's going to be a different person. 
because of the work of God that is being done in his heart and his life. And the sad truth is that there's so very many people that go through the motions of religion and Christianity. Year after year after year after year, they go to church. Some of them even religiously, very faithfully, every service when the doors are open. And yet the reality is they have never given their life to Christ. They don't know the touch of the master's hand. They've got a whole outward form of religiousness, and that's it. The church that we were sent out of when we were missionaries, um, I can remember, I believe it was when we were on the field serving in Ukraine that Pastor Rue had called me. He, he told me that, um, he said, listen, he said, the deacon's wife just got saved. And, um, and she had been in that church since the founding of that church. But she had never genuinely had a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so she finally, one day, she broke down and she just gave her life to Christ. And she was gloriously saved. And I don't care what position you have. I don't care if it's the deacon, the deacon's wife, the Sunday school teacher, the Sunday school teacher's wife, the bus captain, the bus captain's wife, okay? I don't care what position you have. I don't care if you're the preacher behind the pulpit. Listen, there's got to be a time and a place where you repent and, and give your life to Christ to trust him and follow him as your Lord and your God and your Savior. And I'm not talking about being religious. Because I'll tell you what, when you give your life to the master's hand, you'll not be unchanged. In fact, it will not just be a mild modification either, friend. It will be a night and day complete transformation. That's what God does. I wonder, has that taken place in your life? Listen, friend, it will be evident that your life has changed if it's truly been given to the hand of the master. So many people today, they, they say, oh, I'm saved, I'm saved. I prayed this prayer. I go to church. I've been baptized. I've done this. I've done that. They've never given their life to Christ. I think Brother Darrell even mentioned this during a Sunday school lesson at one point in time this morning. How many people I've met, they'll say, oh yeah, I trusted Christ. I prayed the sinner's prayer. I'm a Christian. And they go out and they live their life. And they go to church once in a while and do some religious things once in a while to say they are a religious person. But they have never truly and genuinely committed their life to Christ. You know, it, it baffles me because I think about that. And people somehow, they get in their mind that that's okay. But you know what my Bible teaches me? There's going to be repentance toward God and faith Amen. toward the Lord Jesus Christ. And when somebody genuinely has repentance toward, toward God, that is an acknowledging of him as the authority over their life. Saying, you know what? My way was wrong. My sin was wrong. God, you are God. I am your creation. And I am now submitting to you as the Lord and the God of my life. And I'm trusting in your dear son, Jesus, and the sacrifice of his blood shed my cross. That I might be gloriously redeemed and saved. And now on my way to heaven as I follow you. Listen, that's going to take place. Where you truly give your life to Christ. Not just pray a prayer and play religion. And how many, I, I could ask. I've even talked to people at the doorstep before. And they'll say, oh yeah, I'm saved. I prayed this prayer. And they'll give you a date when they prayed a prayer. And I'll say, do you love Jesus? And they'll stop and they'll try, I don't really know if I love Jesus. I mean, do you really love God? The Bible says 
that any man love not the Lord Jesus, let him be anathema maranatha, let him be accursed at his coming. And they'll stand under shock, like, wow. It shouldn't be a shock to us. We ought to love God. Amen. And if you love me, keep my commandments, Jesus. Amen. I mean, if you love him, you're going to follow him. If you love him, you're going to serve him. If you love him, you're going to be in the house of God when the doors are open. You're going to serve God with all your heart. You're going to open his word day by day because you want to feed on it as one of his sheep, amen. Listen, God will make a difference. Anybody can be religious, a lost or religious. We don't need religion. We need to be born again. Part of the family of God, amen. Because the reality is when you're truly given to the master's hand, your life is going to be drastically changed. And if you've never genuinely given your heart and life into the master's hand, that change won't be there. You see, if you were his workmanship, you would be created in Christ Jesus, as the Bible says here, unto good works. And you would be changed inside and out. Because that which the master touches, the master also changes in a marvelous and beautiful way. Just look what our text says here in verses 2 and 3. It describes what the person was before salvation. Wherein in time past, he walked according to the course of the world, according to the prince of the power of the air. Talking about Satan, okay? And the spirit that now worketh and the children of disobedience, among whom also we all had past tense, had our conversation in times past in the lust of the flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. This is where we were. This is what we were before we gave our lives to Christ. But you know what? When our life is given into the master's hand, everything changes. And so this morning, I want us to just think on this thought Dwell on this, meditate on this for a few minutes, and examine how God's workmanship is seen in the lives of those who truly are saved through repentance and faith. And each of these things that we're going to, uh, we're going to look at this morning, um, it involves something that becomes new. Because when he touches your life, he makes all things new. And so when you become his workmanship, listen, friend, you're going to get a new spirit. That's what the Bible teaches us. You're going to get a new spirit. Okay, that's point number one. And I want you to notice here in, in uh, verse number one of our text what it says. It says, and you have the quickened who were dead in trespasses and sins. Also go down to verse five. It says, even when we were dead in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace are you saved. Listen, folks. Uh, the Bible teaches us that before we get saved, we are dead on the inside, okay? But when a man truly repents and trusts in Christ, he is quickened. That word quickened means to be made alive. So you're made alive on the inside when you genuinely repent and trust in Christ and give him your life. And he is now given new inward life. You see, the lost man, on the other hand, is empty. The lost man is dead on the inside. The lost man, he is just a shell of a man. I've met so many people that would say, you know what, I feel empty inside. 
And there's a reason for that, because you're missing God in your life. You're missing the Lord in your life. But when a man gives his life to Christ, the Bible teaches us that the spirit of Christ that raised him from the dead shall also quicken your mortal body by his spirit. Amen. Romans 8, 11 says that. You see, from an outward point of view, you may have all the trappings and the religious structure that you view as necessary to be a Christian or to have a Christian life. And yet still be without Christ. It's all just a dead, empty shell. You say, but preacher, what do you mean? Well, you think about the Pharisees and the scribes in the Bible. They were good people, were they not? They were good religious people. In fact, there was one specific man of that group that came to Jesus by night named Nicodemus. He was a good religious man. Jesus met him by night. And this man, as he came to him, Nicodemus, um, Jesus did not tell him, Nicodemus, boy, you're doing a good job. Just keep on being religious. Keep on being a good person. You're doing just fine. No, he looked at him and he said, Nicodemus, you must be born again. You've got to be born again. What you've got is not good enough. All the trappings, all the form of religion, all the structure, it does you no good. Yes, it's got all the form of Christianity, but it denies the power thereof, as the Bible says. And listen, friend, until the power is hooked up, it will be dark inwardly and dead inwardly and lifeless inwardly. Yes, you can appear and you can look very much like a Christian to all those around you, but until you give your life to Christ, there will be no real spiritual life or power on the inside. That's the truth. And you know what I was thinking about? It'd be almost like a computer. You got one plugged in, you got one unplugged, right? They both appear very much the same. You could look at them and say, you know what? This one looks exactly like this one. They have all the same keys. They've got the same exact screen. They've got all the same porting. And yet only one turns on, the one that's plugged into the power source. And that makes all the difference. It has life on the inside because it's plugged into the power source. And listen, friend, there's no way. Hey, you can look good. You can look religious. You can do all the things Christians are supposed to do. But listen, until you repent and trust Christ and give your life to him, you're just dead on the inside. It's just a form with no power thereof. Dead, empty, vain religion. You know what? Christ didn't die so we could be religious. He died so we could have a relationship. Did he not? Yeah. We need a relationship, a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. We get that through what he did on that old rugged cross for us. And you know what? If our lives are truly given to him, you know what? His working in our life will be very evident. The power of his working in our life will be so very evident and so very seen. So when, when our lives are given to his hand, we're going to see that his work in it, with his workmanship, we get a new spirit. But I also notice here that with his workmanship, I get a new birth. Look with me, if you would, at John chapter 3, verse 5 to 7. I'm going to read a couple scriptures here, and then we'll look at this Chapter 3, verse 5 to 7, it says, 
Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Marvel not that I said unto thee, Ye must be born again. Now, before I even read the next scripture, I want to make sure you understand, because there are those out there that say you're saved by baptism. Uh, that is not what it means when it says born of water. When it talks about born of water here, it's talking about your physical birth. That's very evident by what he says in verse number six. Uh, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. So I've got to have two births. I can't have one. One's not good enough. One will only take me to hell. I've got to be born again. And that happens when a man generally repents of his sin and turns to Christ to trust him and follow him and, and give his life to Christ as his Lord and his Savior. Notice also what Brother John wrote in John chapter 1 and verse number 12. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. So not only am I getting a new birth, but I'm gaining a new family. I've become, I've become literally part of the very family of God as one of the sons of God when I truly give my life to Christ. Amen. Now, before that, what does the Bible teach us? Well, in our text that we looked at today, in verse 3, it tells us that we were the children of wrath. That's what we were before. The Bible also talks about it in John chapter 8. As uh, Jesus was dealing with the scribes and the Pharisees, he said, ye are of, uh, this is verse 44, he said, ye are of your father, the devil, and the lust of your father ye will do. So before we get saved, God's not our heavenly father, but we're of our father, the devil. That's what the Bible makes abundantly clear. Wow. And so when a man genuinely repents and is born again into the family of God, he literally becomes a son of God. Now he becomes a child of the king and part of God's family, whereas before he was simply described as a child of the devil. And listen, folks, you can be sure, very sure, that your family that you are born into significantly impacts your life. In this life, we can just look at it, look at the lives around you that you physically see, right? Some children are raised to be drunkards and drug addicts because that is the behavior that is learned in their home from their parents. And yet others have learned from their birth, praise God, I was one of those, have learned from their birth that those things are harmful and destructive behavior and they are spared from getting themselves involved in that mess. You see, your birth makes a significant difference in your life and how it is lived out. But I'm so glad that my physical birth, despite what my physical birth may or may not be, all of us have the opportunity for a spiritual birth into the family of God. And that makes the greatest difference of all. From a spiritual perspective, a man who has not been born again will do the lust of his father, the devil. But a man who is born of God will be led in the paths of righteousness, as it says in Psalms 23, for his name's sake, as a child of the king. You see, that new birth, that new family will make all the difference. Right. 
That happens because of the workmanship of God in our lives. We don't do that. He works that out in us when we truly trust in Christ as our Savior. Yeah, I've met so many people. They want to say, well, I've got to do this before I get saved. I've got to drop this sin or that sin or I've got to, I've got to allow this certain stage or level in my life. I've got to attain to that before I can get saved. No, that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says, come unto me, all either labor and heavy laden, I will give you rest. So no matter what burdens you're bearing, you come to Christ. You turn from them, leave them at the cross, give your life to him, trust him and follow him. And hey, let Christ make a difference in your life. You've not got the power to live a Christian life anyways. It's Christ in you that makes you enabled to live like that. It's the working of God. And so we see here, as he works in our lives, we see that when we become his workmanship, we get a new spirit. We have a new birth. I notice also that we have a new nature. If you would, look with me at Romans chapter 6, please. Romans chapter 6, verse number 14. For sin shall not have dominion over you, for you're not under the law, but under the grace. The Bible teaches us that after we've trusted Christ as our Savior, we've been born again in the family of God, sin no longer has dominion. Does it rule you like it did once when you were lost? Then you also look at uh, John chapter number 8. Verse 32 and 36. And ye shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. And verse 36 basically says the same thing. It says that the Son therefore shall make you free, ye shall be free indeed. Then we look also at Romans chapter 8, verse number 14. For as many as are led by the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. All these are important scriptures. Listen, friend, before a man genuinely gets saved, he is dominated by and controlled by his selfish and sinful passions and desires. But when you truly come to know Christ, who is the way, the truth, and the life, you come to know him as your Lord and your Savior. The Bible teaches us he makes you free from sin's dominion. Yeah. Praise the Lord. He makes you free from it to now be directed by and led by the very Spirit of God in your life. And then you look over in 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 3 and 4, and I'm not going to read it, but Brother Peter there describes... It is being given a divine nature, a divine nature. So part of his workmanship is to impart to you his very own nature. As a lost man, you were driven by your carnal and fleshly instinctive nature to appease your flesh and do what your flesh wanted. 
Okay, that's what the Bible says. That's not me. I mean, read it in our text, okay? Verse number two. In time past, what? You walked according to the course of the world. You were worldly, okay? According to the prince of the power of the air. According to what the devil wanted, not what God wanted. The spirit which now worketh in the children of disobedience, not obedience. Among whom we also had our conversation times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and the mind, and we're by nature children of wrath. That's what you are before you get saved. It's not like that for just some people. That's like the way it is for everybody before they get saved. Amen? But when we become his workmanship, he imparts to us his divine nature so that we have the very nature of God imparted to us so that he literally, his nature dwells inside of me. I mean, that's something that's almost beyond comprehension, but that's the reality of what happens when a man is born again. You see, as a lost man, you're driven by carnal, fleshly, instinctive nature to appease the flesh, but in Christ, you're given a spiritual nature which constrains you to love the things of God, amen, and to follow the lead of the Spirit of God. Truly, the touch of the Master's hand makes a night and day difference in our lives concerning this. I wonder, as you look at your life, could you honestly say that this new nature is visible in your life? If it isn't, maybe it's because you've got a shell, but you've denied the power thereof. You know what? There's a lot of people out there like that. It scares me to think of how many people are sitting in even good Bible-preaching churches this Sunday all across America who have proclaimed that they know God, who have proclaimed that they're saved, and yet they've got all the trappings, they've got all the form of religion, just like the scribes and the Pharisees, but they've denied the power thereof because they've gone through a religious motion, but they've never truly given their life to Christ. Amen. And they're empty on the inside. They've got dead religion and nothing more. Boy, it's a scary thought. Amen. There was a man back in the day when the Southern Baptists were more conservative than they are now. One of the better known, I can't even remember what his name is, maybe it was Criswell, maybe it was some, one, of, one of the other ones. He got up at one of their bigger con, uh, conventions and he was a pointed, bold preacher. And he said something to the effect that he dared say that there was only 10% within the con convention that were genuinely born, born again, talking with the membership of their churches. And I wonder sometimes what the percentage is. The Bible says broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. Narrow is the way that leadeth to life eternal. And few there be that find it. Listen, friend, don't be deceived. Don't play games with God. Don't, don't deceive yourself into thinking that I can have some sort of form of religion but deny the power thereof. And I can live my own life. And I can do my own thing. Listen, you may be on the path to hell, friend. The path to destruction. Wake up. Amen. What is God going to do to get you to wake up? Would to God that God would not have to do what he did to Brother Larry to the, get the attention of the vast majority who are living life like that. But it was only by the grace and mercy of God, this man, 
Praise the goodness. Praise the wonderful mercy of a, of a loving God that had compassion on Brother Larry to look down from heaven and say, I'm going to allow this to come into his life because he's got religion, but he's denied the power thereof. And I want him to get the whole package. Amen. I hope if you're here today, you know what I'm talking about. If you're here today and, and the Holy Spirit's finger is pricking on your heart, that's not happening by accident, friend. That's happening because God is dealing with you and God is saying, wake up! Wake up! You're on the road to hell! You've got religion, but you've denied the power! Come on! Listen, to me as a pastor, I'm going to give an account one day for everybody that has sat in these services. And it's a scary thought to me there, there would be some that would week after week go through the motions of religion and sit through these services and then one day wake up in hell in torments. Because although they had a form, they denied the power thereof. Oh, you better make sure. Paul said, examine yourself whether you be in the faith. Don't you be satisfied with a prayer and a profession and say, I'm good. When you know there's no reality in your heart and your life. And you know you're vain and empty and void. And you've got the form, but you've got no power. Listen, Christian. God is real. And if he moves in, he's going to make a difference. Night and day difference. Oh, may God help us. If God moves in, there's going to be a new nature. Because that's part of his workmanship. He gives you a new spirit. You get a new birth into a new family. You get a new nature. Number four today, you get a new, you become a new creature. Praise the Lord. Second Corinthians chapter five. Second Corinthians five and verse seventeen. Therefore. If any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. There's no if, ands, or buts about this. He says he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. You also look at John chapter 10. And verse number 26 and 27. But ye believe not, because ye are not of my sheep. As I said unto you, my sheep hear my voice, and I know them. And they follow me. And I give unto them eternal life. You also look at 2 Peter. I want you to just consider all these verses together. We're going to look at what, what I'm, where I'm going with this in just a second. 2 Peter chapter 2. In verse number 22. But it has happened unto them according to the true proverb. The dog is turned to his own vomit again. And the sow that is, was washed to her wallowing in the mire. I want you to notice that when a man genuinely repents and trusts Christ. And truly gives his life to Jesus as his Lord and his Savior. That he becomes a completely new creature. Amen. Now as Peter says. The dogs will return to their vomit. The pigs will return to their dirty wallowing in the mire. 
But a sheep, a saved man becomes a, a, a sheep, one of the shepherd's sheep. And a sheep would never return to its vomit. And a sheep wants nothing to do with the mire. Why? Because it's contrary to the nature of a sheep. And a sheep's going to follow that shepherd's voice. For that is the character of a sheep. So what about you, friend? Have you become a new creature, a sheep? Well, you still like that same old dog going back to the vomit over and over again of the filth and vile of your sinful behavior. You say you just like that old pig that just, it might get cleaned up once in a while, but as soon as it gets a chance, straight back to the muck and the mire to get it all covered in the dirt and its mud hole once again. Listen, friend, don't think that God does this for some and not for others. <laughs> If your life has been given to the master's hand, you can be sure, amen, he will, will, will make you a new creature. Amen. A sheep. You will want to return over and over again to that vile and dirty sinful behavior and lifestyle that possessed you before. Because you've been changed. Hey, listen, you want to tread in paths of righteousness now. You want to tread in the steps of the Savior now because God's made a difference in your life. And so listen, his workmanship, it involves us having a new spirit, a, a new birth, a new nature, becoming a new creature. And lastly, I want us to see here that I see also it involves us having a new look. Look with me, if you would, at Titus chapter 3. Titus chapter 3 and verse number 5. The Bible says here, not by works of righteousness, which we have done, but according to his mercy, he saved us by the washing of regeneration and the renewing of the Holy Ghost. Notice this verse speaks here of him renewing us when we are saved by his mercy. This is something that will happen if you've been born again. So when our life is given to the master's hand, he takes a sinful and carnal and worldly man, just like that pig covered in the dirt and the muck and the mire, and he renews him from the inside out. So now he's spiritually alive within and visually changed on the outside as well. Listen, friend, if you've not been changed, then you've not been saved. Don't lie to yourself. If you've not been changed, you've not been saved. For the master's hand will not leave you the way that you were. It won't. He will renew you, the Bible says. He will renew you, amen. And those who loudly proclaim, I'm saved by grace, I can live however I want. And they're living in their adultery and in their fornication and they're tattooed from head to toe and pierced everywhere and drunk and drunken. And I'm saved though. I say saved from what? Good. Amen. They're just a dog returning to the vomit, a pig to the mire, Amen. and nothing more. Nothing's changed. 
They're not changed. They are just like they've always been, with a prayer and some religion sprinkled into their life and nothing more. Listen, friend, the master will not leave you that way. That's the truth. He will renew you. He will make you a new man. You want a very visual example of that? Read about the maniac of Gadara in the Bible. I mean, running through the tombs, naked, the Bible says. Cutting himself, screaming, possessed, full of devils. And then he, when, he, when he meets Jesus, he's, he's found clothed and sitting at the feet of God. And in his right mind saying, I'll follow you wherever you go. What a drastic change took place. He was a completely different person. In fact, when he went to town, because Jesus told him, go tell what great things God has done for you. I almost wonder if people didn't even recognize who he was at first. Because God had so visibly changed this man. I'm reminded also of Mary Magdalene. When Christ met her, she was a fornicator, an adulterer, and living in that lifestyle. And yet when she met Jesus, her life was completely transformed. So that throughout the scriptures after that, we find her named amongst the holy women of God. Why? Because she met the master. Jesus passed by, amen. And when he passed by her life, he made a transforming difference, amen. Yeah. I'm reminded of a man named Barry Spears. Some of you may know, does anybody here know who Barry Spears is? A few of you know who Brother Barry is. And I've heard Brother Barry preach on a number of occasions, but Brother Barry was part of the Hell's Angels, tattooed all over. Um, I mean, part of that biker gang involved in drugs and alcohol and all kinds of immorality. But you know what? Then he got saved. Amen. Then he met Jesus. Amen. And now he has become a bold preacher of the gospel, clean cut. Doesn't even want to wear a short sleeve shirt because he doesn't want to reveal the scars of, of sin that cover his body from the tattoos he had before. Why? Because he met the Lord. Now he's a family man. Now he's a church man. Why? Because he met the Lord. Some of you know of Brother Bruce Fry. Anybody here who knows Bruce Fry? Okay, a number of people know Brother Bruce Fry. Before he got saved, going from honky-tonk to honky-tonk. Long hair. He's even got a track out with his picture of him on a cowboy hat, guitar, and long hair. He sings a song called That Was Me. Talking about every Saturday night, dim hotel lights and a in a hotel and drinking himself to bed every night because he was without God and without hope. But then guess what? He met Jesus. And oh, what a change took place in the man's life. You look at him now, now he's a preacher of the gospel, singing wonderful music to the glory of God for the honor of Jesus Christ. And he is as clean cut of a man as you could find. Kind, compassionate, Christ-like, wonderful man of God. Why? Because he met the master, and the master made a difference in his life. You see, friend, if you have, your life has been given to the master's hand through repentance and faith, the truth is, it will be drastically changed. And for us to suggest, well, I prayed a prayer, and I've done this religious thing. And, and, and to suggest I'm okay because...
because I've done this and yet inside I know that my life has not been changed. My life is not any different. It's just as dead, just as empty as it was before. That's to deny the power thereof. Why? Because you've done a religious thing, but you've not really given your life to Christ. You've not really been willing to turn your life over to Christ. And I'll tell you, friend, I'm afraid to say that there's a lot of people in churches today all across America that are just like that. They're on the path to hell, thinking that they're okay because they pray a prayer and did a religious thing. And it, 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 it concerns me. Boy, I'll tell you what, it burdens my heart. I mean, we came back to America. The scripture in my mind was, for such a time as this, even then I could see it, the churches were full of people that were religious but not righteous. They had a profession, but no power on their life. No power of the transforming power of God. I wonder, friend, what do you have this morning? Do you just have an empty profession? Or can you honestly say that I am his workmanship? Amen. That I can see the very hand of God has been at work molding and working in my life. And he has made a drastic night and day difference in my life because my life has been given to Jesus. As we now stand to our feet with heads bowed and eyes closed. The piano begins to play and the altar is open. Christian, maybe you have somebody that you feel you need to pray for this morning. Will you come and pray for them? You know they've got a profession, but... It doesn't seem very evident that they have a relationship. Would you come and ask the Lord to deal with them? Ask the Lord to work in their heart, work in their life? Oh, we want to see God do something in somebody's life. Maybe you're here today and you say, you know what, preacher, I just couldn't get away from it. The whole service, the Holy Spirit's finger has been on my heart. Because I know that what you are saying is true. I know that I've got that profession. I know that I've prayed that prayer, but I know that I'm missing the reality on the inside. I know that I've denied the power thereof. I know that I've not truly given my life to Christ. Is there anyone here that would honestly raise your hand this morning and say, that's me? This message was for me this morning because I have played religion, but I have never genuinely repented of my sins and trusted Christ and given my, my heart and life to Him as Lord and Savior. saved or this church, but you do need Jesus and you need to give your life to Him. And so I hope that the Lord's dealing with you today that you won't you won't delay in giving Him your heart and your life. The altar's open. I spoke to your heart to come and pray.